welcome to Destiny is Debatable, a podcast and movement that will encourage you to build your life into the one you want. Here's your host, a guy whose vision is like looking through binoculars backwards, John Grimes. Howdy, howdy. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in, subscribing, and supporting the podcast experience. Our guest for this episode is Dr. Angela Holliday-Bell. She's a certified sleep specialist and expert and has written a book called Sleeping on the Job. And she believes that sleep is the solution to, I think, just about everything, which is a uh, pretty bold statement. And, you know, I think she's probably right. I personally probably don't pay enough attention to sleep and how important it is in our life because of all the excuses that we have for that. But it's just like everything else. We, we got to start paying attention to things. And as we move into a new year, I thought this would be a perfect time to talk about sleep. Hey, Dr. Holiday Bell, thanks for joining the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So sleep is the solution. Is that uh, what I'm to understand from you? It is absolutely the solution to almost everything. <laughs> Pretty important, I guess, if it's almost everything. All right, cool. Well, before we get too far into that, I have some silly questions that I got to ask you. Uh, I'm contractually obligated, actually, to ask you on behalf of uh, our listeners to kind of get to know you a little bit. So can you hang in for some silly questions? Yeah, let's hear them. All right. So what's your favorite band or type of music? Ooh. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I have a favorite band, but I'm an R&B type of girl. So I'm, I'm like the slow songs, feel good type of music. Like current day type stuff? Or is there a time period in general that you prefer? You know, more 90s, 90s to early 2000s. So like, I really actually don't listen to any current day music. I play my Pandora in my car and it just plays those old songs over and over again. So a little bit, a little bit old school. Okay. Yeah. Cool. For some reason, um, do you like Jodeci? I do like Jodeci. Yeah, that's one of them. For some reason that comes to mind. <laughs> when I'm looking at they're pretty prominent in the 90s, 90, 90s early so yeah early sense. 90s um, yeah. r&b that's kind of in my jam too okay that's cool if you could time travel to any era past or future where would you go and what do you think you'd do you know this is gonna seem so like really that i would say the 90s mostly because i'm a 90s baby so you know that was partly my era, but I wasn't, I was too young to really understand and appreciate the time. It was just a much simpler time before all of the technology really taking over and cells and all those things. I just feel like people really appreciated the simpler things in life. The music was good. Fashion was questionable, but some of that stuff is coming back in. So, you know, <laughs> but I think I would just go back and just enjoy the simplicity of it. Yeah, the ninety, and you could listen to Jodeci in, in real time. In real time, go to a concert, all that, and you know, Houston yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, okay, all right. So we are uh, right at New Year's, and I'm just wondering, what is your, what's the best New Year's resolution you've ever made, or do you do, you do that? You know, I don't do it consistently. I would say the best one though was starting my own business. So. I did that as a, as a sleep specialist in my sleep uh, consulting business. And that has really grown and taken off. And it's something I'm very proud of. And I really pushed myself to be in the entrepreneurial space, which was very new to me. So I would say that was probably my biggest one and the one that I'm most proud of. But it's, it's kind of hit or miss resolutions. I have goals for the year, I guess, similar to resolutions, but not quite the same. Yeah. Well, based on what I've seen, I think you made a good choice whenever you started that. So awesome. What's something that most people don't know about you? 
something that most people don't know. I come from a very big family, so I actually have nine siblings. Um, wow. And I tell people that, yeah, yeah. Okay. So where do you fit in the nine there? It's also a funny question. So I am the oldest of the youngest is what I say. So I'm the middle. There's like a a new batch of kids that started. I'm the oldest of of those. So what is that like? Chaotic. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But also fun. You know, growing up, you didn't have much privacy. There are always people around. But also there was always people to share things with and to, you know, spend time with and play games with. So it was fun. You know, I, I wouldn't say I myself would have 10 children, but there needs to at least be a couple to have that, you know, that sibling experience. Like overall, it was fun. Though. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. All right. So kind of in that same vein, what is something that you now know that you wish you didn't? That I wish I didn't know? Yeah. Like Santa Claus, for instance, like. <laughs> that you didn't know. Well, I guess Santa Claus is real. I'm sorry for the bust anybody's bubble. Yeah. Santa oh Claus my gosh. is real. Like, what's something Definitely. you know now that you wish you, you wish you were naive to, I guess? Hmm. Just everything happening in the world in general. You know, like there's just so much going on, especially right now, that you try to ignore, but it's everywhere on social media and the news. And sometimes I wish I could just shut off all those things and be a little more naive to all of the chaos. Yeah. Okay. You pass the test. That's all the silly questions. Okay. So let's talk about sleep now. Uh, sleep is a solution. As you said earlier, sleep is a solution to everything. Is that right? Almost. Pretty much. Almost everything. Okay. And what what are some of the biggest mistakes people make about sleep in addition to not believing that's, I guess, its importance? Yeah. I would say that's the biggest thing is people thinking that sleep makes you lazy or, you know, the, the, my favorite kind of mantra is I'll sleep when I die, all of those things. And not understanding that sleep is really core and essential to your living and your livelihood while you are alive. I think people feeling like sleep should be on the bottom of the priority list. Uh, I think one of the biggest things is people misunderstanding how much sleep they need. So oftentimes people will tell me, oh, I can get by off of five hours of sleep. I can I can make it off of six. But understanding that how much sleep you need to function optimally is very different than what you can get by on. So just because you can like survive doesn't mean that you're living and functioning optimally. So I often have to make that distinction of like, yeah, you could get by on that, but you're definitely not functioning as optimally as you would if you met your true sleep need. Is it the same for everybody? Does everybody need the same amount of sleep? No. They do not. So most people have heard the recommendation that you should be getting seven to eight hours of sleep. And that is true on average for the average adult, but the average sleep number is just like any other average. That means it's the middle number, but it's not going to be the same for everyone. That range is really somewhere between six to 10 hours, which is a fairly large range. I personally need nine hours of sleep to function optimally. Seven hours, I'm exhausted. Eight hours, I'm okay, but I'm certainly not functioning optimally. So that is a very specific number, and it is important to determine what that is for you individually so you can be striving to get to that number as opposed to some average that may not actually fit. Yeah. So how do you find, how did you find nine hours to be your number? Yeah. So it for me, it was some experimentation. Um, I, I feel like I've always needed a lot of sleep. Like I was like closer to a nine and a half or maybe 10 hours in my teenage years. And as I got older, that decreased a little bit, but it was just experimentation after seven hours, I feel awful. After eight hours, I'm like, oh, I'm okay, but I still have like this little bit of mental fog. I'm not as energetic. That nine hours was always that sweet spot where I'd wake up feeling great. And once I really started to prioritize my sleep and put things into place, uh, 
where I was having a consistent sleep schedule, I found that my body was naturally waking up after nine hours and feeling rested. I think the key here is understanding how much sleep you need to function optimally throughout your day with adequate energy and alertness and without requiring alertness boosters such as caffeine. That is the definition of sleep you need, right? So people will say, oh, I can sleep for six hours and I have like, you know, a few uh, double shot espressos and I'm good. But that doesn't mean you've met your sleep need. That means caffeine is waking you up, but you should not require caffeine in order to sustain your normal activities throughout the day. So it's really about stepping back, taking that out and determining what do I need to actually feel rested, good enough energy, solid throughout the day, falling asleep consistently every night. That is going to be your sleep need. Are there physical things that that I would see or we would notice about ourselves? I mean, obviously you're exhausted. That's that's kind of obvious, but are there other indicators that you're not getting enough sleep that are maybe less obvious? Yeah, so energy, also uh, your ability to even remember things. So there's like a mental fog that comes with sleepiness uh, or a fatigue, a mental fatigue that comes uh, with that. So it can be difficult to recall things. It's more difficult to make decisions. So Sleep plays a, a crucial role in your executive functioning, which is that kind of front part of your brain that takes you through higher thought processes. So that's making decisions, rationalizing, thinking through things, and all of that is going to be a lot more difficult if you haven't had enough sleep. Also, motivation. So if you think about how you feel after a night of very bad sleep, you may get through your activities throughout the day, but you're less likely to be motivated to do the things you need to do or additional things beyond it. When you're rested, and you're, you're energized, you're like, let's go. I'm ready to take on the day. I'm motivated to do these additional things. So it's all of those kind of subtle signs. Of course, falling asleep throughout the day is a sign that you're likely not getting enough uh, sleep at night. We can talk about this a little bit later. I love a good power nap. So it's not, it's not napping as a problem per se, but if you require a nap to make it throughout the day or you're falling asleep when there's not other things sustaining your attention, that's a sign that you're not getting enough sleep. Okay, yeah, but... Uh, doc, I don't have enough time to sleep. I got kids. I got to work. You know, I just, life's too busy. I, I, wh when am I going to have time to sleep? You know, that's the most common kind of pushback I get. Right? Like, I don't have time about these things. And what I say is, you, we make time for the things that we prioritize. And when I start to break down people's schedule, we tend to find some hidden hours of potential sleep time that has been given to something else, like binge watching your favorite show, or scrolling through social media. Facebook, yeah, okay. Yeah, right. oftentimes people will say, oh, well, I'll put the kids to bed. By the time I do that, then I'll have time to sleep. And I'm like, well, the kids go to bed at eight. And if you went to bed at 11 and then got up at seven, that's plenty of time. But what are you doing in those three hours? Oh, but that's my me time. And I have to, you know, binge watch my shows and I have to do all these things. And it's like, you're choosing to allocate that time to other activities that are not going to be productive for you as opposed to sleep. Yeah, so maybe sleep should be your me time. That may have a be better benefit than what's going on on uh, whatever show you're watching or whatever, right? Yeah, I strongly consider sleep my me time. Like I, the way that I set up my day is I have nine hours in which I'm going to sleep and then I take the other remaining time and decide what will happen with that time. But what I know is for nine hours, that is dedicating to me sleeping. Let's talk a little bit about sleep environment. Like, is there a type of temperature preferred? or lighting or obviously not no lighting or i mean what what's what's kind of the perfect scenario to sleep in environmentally yeah, so when i think about setting up your sleep environment i actually like to think of it in terms of your five senses really hitting all five senses in a way that is conducive to sleep if we start with your sense of sight it's important to keep your sleep environment dark 
because light is the strongest factor that influences your circadian rhythm in a way that tells you to be awake and alert. So if you have lights on in the bedroom or ambient light coming from outside or light from the television, it's telling your brain that it's time to be awake and alert instead of sleep. It can impact you falling asleep as well as your sleep quality. For your sight uh, or sense of hearing, you want to keep your sleep space either completely silent or have a continuous soothing sound. Changes in volume and tone actually signal to your body that there is some difference in your environment and can make you be in the lighter stages of sleep because you have to make sure that you're okay and you're safe. It's more of a primitive response. So it should either be silent with no noise entering or a continuous sound that doesn't change in tone or volume. Um, then you have your sense of feel or touch, right? So that's where temperature comes in. According to research, your room temperature should be somewhere between 60 to 68 degrees Fahrenheit. The reason for this is your body temperature has to decrease by one to two degrees in order to facilitate the transition to and maintenance of sleep. In the early morning hours, your body temperature naturally starts to rise, and that's a signal to your brain that it's time to be awake and alert. So if you're sending those signals too early because your sleeping environment is too hot, then it causes broken, poor quality sleep. Then you want to think about, uh, what was it? We got feel, sight, hearing, um, taste smell? is another one. Smell. Think about smell. Right. So this is a this is a more minor one compared to some of the other ones. But certain scents in aromatherapy like lavender, chamomile, jasmine have all been shown to decrease anxiety, ease stress, and can make it easier to fall asleep. In addition, smell is the strongest sense tied to memory. So what I always tell individuals, if you use the same scent, let's say in a pillow spray or in a candle next to your bed during your nighttime routine or whatever, your brain connects that scent with sleep and can make that happen more efficiently for you. And when you travel to environments that are different than your own, using that same smell, again, puts you back in that same environment. It makes it easier to fall asleep. And then we think about taste. This is not really related to your environment, but it's important as you think about preparing for sleep. You want to... Uh, have your largest meal of the day, so that nighttime meal, at least three to four hours before you go to sleep, because otherwise it causes your digestive system to be too active, which can interfere with uh, your sleep quality. However, a light bedtime snack that's rich in protein and complex carbs can be helpful for sleep because the protein keeps you satiated throughout the night and the complex carbs helps to maintain your blood sugar. So I would think about it in terms of hitting all of those five senses, and that is how you set yourself up for success. So if you got a partner that likes to watch TV in bed and you like to go to bed earlier, then that's problematic for, in this case, me. <laughs> that is problematic for you and your partner likely, right? So a lot of people have made what we call sleep associations. When we uh, think of babies, their sleep association is usually feeding, breastfeeding or the bottle or the pacifier or the blankie, something that they have associated with sleep and they need that to fall asleep because their brain has decided this is what happens when I fall asleep. As adults, we tend to keep some of those same associations, the television being one for a lot of people because they grew up falling asleep to the television. And there are positive sleep associations that help your sleep, and there are negative ones. And the television is negative because of the light and the sound that I already talked about. Even though people may say, well, I can't fall asleep without the television on, I fall asleep faster with it on. The problem is it can affect your sleep quality, uh, whether you realize it or not. And that's because it is causing your brain to remain in the lighter stages of sleep because those changes in sound and tone or that light that's coming through, or you hear, you pick up a part of the show that now you're kind of thinking about, even though you're not realizing it. And so it really is best to not sleep with the television on. For those people who are like, I just have to sleep with it on. I can't at least set a timer so that it's not on throughout the whole night impacting your sleep quality. Yeah. I um, So that happens to me, obviously. Sorry, honey. Uh, to... <laughs> 
but she likes to watch TV at night and um, I, you know, I fall, I do fall asleep, but there are times and I'm not usually interested at all in what she's watching. I mean, just because it's, I'm not interested in it, but there are times where um, something will happen or something where it kind of catches my attention and it takes me yep. away from falling into my deep slumber that I'm trying to get into. Exactly. So I guess the doctor's recommending that we don't watch TV at bedtime. Yeah, you can tell your wife this clip and let her know, well, <laughs> Dr. Holiday Bell said it's not great for sleep. So we do have other places to do that in the house. Maybe that would be the, maybe that'd be the option. Exactly. And I say, you know, it can be a good trade-off to say, hey, the, the way that I wind down is by watching the show. I actually think that's fine, but do it outside of your bedroom, well before your sleep time, at least 30 minutes, ideally. Have that be right before your bedtime routine and then start your bedtime routine in a way that's more conducive to sleep. Perfect segue, because my next question was going to be routine. So how do we, a minute ago, you said eat three or four hours before bedtime. Um, what's sort of a perfect routine for getting into that mode? Now, let's assume that this would be, I guess, kind of for all people. Uh, we have a bunch of kids. We don't have 10 kids, thankfully. <laughs> But we do have a bunch of kids running around our house. So our, our night times are a little, uh, well, they're chaotic. They're not, they're not 10 chaotic, but it's, it's crazy enough that, <laughs> but maybe not everybody has that. Um, so what's kind of the, I don't know, the best approach to the wind down to, uh, to sleep? Yeah. So first of all, I think that a consistent bedtime routine is one of the most underrated ways to improve your sleep for your children and for people out children. They typically do have a bedtime routine for their kids. So it's like, yeah, oh, we're we, take a we do too. We do too, right? but we, we don't pay attention to us at all. Just, exactly. Exactly. And you yeah. do that for your kids because you're like, hey, <laughs> we need to we need to wind down from all of this play of the day and get you in sleep mode. As yes. adults, we need the same thing. So that can start with dimming the light. So light is the strongest factor influencing your circadian rhythm in a way that tells you to be awake and alert. And for most people, they really connect that with their electronics, right? Oh, I know I shouldn't look on my phone or whatever. That's true. And that's because those uh, electronics emit blue wavelength of light, which is has the strongest impact on your circadian rhythm. However, most people don't think about just normal room lights that we exist in. Existing in normal room lighting right before bed and right before bed means like within an hour can delay your natural melatonin release by up to 90 minutes. So it's important to dim the lights, turn off as many lights that are not necessary, use table side lamps, red light if you really want to be advanced can actually help induce your melatonin release. So dimming those lights, putting on some calming music. Music has been shown in research to really slow down those brain waves and ease stress. So whatever music you like, 90s R&B, Jodeci, for instance, yeah. is, you know, always <laughs> a good one for me. Um, reading is also excellent part of a bedtime routine. Not only because it's relaxing in and of itself, but it can uh, distract your thoughts from other racing or anxious thoughts that may be keeping you up and impacting your sleep. So having just whatever your current read on, as long as it's not uh, too stimulating to you and you're not that person that has to keep turning the pages, just whatever, you know, whatever reading material that you like. And then if you're particularly stressed or anxious, you can try a sleep meditation, something that guides you do through deep breathing exercises, playing some calming music, uh, and then fades out as you fall asleep. That's a perfect bedtime routine. Okay. Uh, I didn't hear you say anything about caffeine or alcohol or any other things in there. So those are probably things to avoid during that time period. Absolutely. And starting with the alcohol, because a lot of people do associate alcohol with sleep, right? The nightcap, I'm going to have my glass of wine, then I'm going to go to sleep. And that makes sense theoretically because alcohol is a sedative initially. So it will make you sleepy. 
The problem is it's broken down very quickly within three to four hours. And after that becomes a stimulant, which wakes you up. So it leads to more broken, disrupted quality of sleep. I have an aura ring um, right now. And, you know, throughout the holidays and things, sometimes I'll go to a holiday party or whatever. And there are times that I make the trade-off of understanding I'm going to indulge in something that's going to impact my sleep. And what I have found is my, the, even though I will say the caveat is these wearables are not super great at sleep staging, but the aura ring is probably the best at it. Whenever I drink alcohol before a bedtime, my sleep stages are all out of whack. Like my REM sleep is messed up. Even if I'm sleeping, it doesn't wake me up. It'll be like, you remain in the light stages of sleep for a lot of the night. Like you should probably take it easy tomorrow. And it's always when I have had alcohol or my body temperature raises impacting my sleep quality. So yes, it'll make you sleepy. It will definitely impact your sleep quality. And then for caffeine, most people can understand that you drink caffeine to wake you up, right? To stimulate you and make you more awake and alert. The problem with caffeine is that it has a long half-life of five to six hours, meaning it takes five to six hours for half the amount you consume to be excreted from your system. So even if it's an early afternoon cup, you could still have a significant amount in your system by the time you're trying to fall asleep, which also makes it difficult to fall asleep. Okay, you're talking about the aura ring. I I, I think I know in theory what that is, but how does that work and what does it tell you? Or, or wearables or other things? What what are, the, what are the stages and how do we know when we're going in and out of those? Mm, great question. So the R ring is this little ring that has sensors in it that can detect when you've fallen asleep, excuse me, how long you've been asleep, your sleep latency, so the amount of time it took you to fall asleep, and then the state, the amount of time you spend each sleep stage. It also tracks like activity during the day and exercise and stuff too. Um, but we cycle through four different sleep stages all throughout the night. So we start with N1, which is a very light stage of sleep. Just as you're falling into sleep, you might even kind of still uh, feel awake at that time. N2 is a is a slightly deeper stage of sleep, which is actually where we spend most of our time. Stage N3 is that deep, slow wave sleep. That's that like you were, you're knocked out. If you're awakened from this stage, you have that groggy, disoriented sleep inertia feeling. And then you have your REM sleep, which is a rapid eye movement or the stage that most, but actually not all of dreaming occurs. You kind of cycle through them throughout the night. And so certain wearables like the Apple Watch and then the Aura Ring and things like that will pick up how much time you spend in those sleep stages, but also understanding that it's not 100% accurate. There are definitely improvements that can be made in that, but it can give you a roundabout amount of how much time you spend in those. Each sleep stage has different functions, theoretically. So generalizing it, that deep, slow wave sleep is restorative for the body and REM for the mind. There is some overlap. That's what we think. And your body will spend, you know, different quantities of time in those stages, but it is important that you get the specified amount of quantity. So something like alcohol or medications can impact how much REM sleep you're getting and how restored your mind is, so to speak. Yeah. So I guess that's probably a good way to figure out kind of your sleeping patterns is to use one of those type of devices. How did we do it before these devices? Yeah, so we we didn't, <laughs> you know, and also I, I think it's a double-edged sword because I don't think it's always necessary to know to that detail. I think people get so caught up and like, oh, I need more REM sleep and I need more of this. And your body does a good job of regulating what you need if you just get good quality sleep in general. So you really should just be focusing on setting yourself up for good sleep throughout the night as opposed to a specific stage that you're missing. But there's something called actigraphy that is really the medical way of determining sleep stages, uh, but that you'd like go to a sleep medicine like clinic for and they hook you up to it. So, of course, most people are not having that. So really just thinking about how much sleep you're getting and how you feel and how you're functioning the next day. Do you know anything about dreams and what they say about what's happening? 
Yeah, so there's still a lot of research about dreams. To be frank, we do, we still don't know why we dream. We think it's to process experiences and emotions that we've had throughout the day that we really didn't get a chance to process. So we dream and you know go through all of those things throughout the night. Again, we're not we're not all the way sure the significance or purpose of dreams. And you mentioned earlier uh, about napping. Where does napping fit into a sleep schedule or lifestyle or whatever? Yeah, that's a great question. So I personally love power naps. It's one of my favorite things to do. I took a nap earlier today. Um, I think napping is a great addition to any sleep routine, but you have to nap responsibly. And what that means is uh, limiting your nap to no more than 10 to 30 minutes. The reason for that is after about 30 minutes is when you start going into the deeper, slow wave stages of sleep. And as I kind of mentioned earlier, when you're awakened from a deeper uh, stage of sleep, you're more likely to experience sleep inertia. So groggy, disoriented, headache, and really can negate a lot of the benefits of napping that you had in the first place. So you want to avoid that. The other thing is you want to avoid napping after 3 p.m. Because if you nap too late, that steals from the sleep drive you've been building up all day and can impact your sleep at night. So a good power nap can improve your energy, mental clarity, creativity, motivation, all of those things, but it will not replace overnight sleep. So you definitely want to avoid doing anything that's going to impact your sleep overnight. The only other caveat is if you're someone who struggles with chronic insomnia, where you're not sleeping well overnight, it's difficult to fall asleep or stay asleep, you should actually avoid napping altogether because you want to take advantage of every bit of your sleep drive. And so you don't want to do anything even earlier in the day that can take away from that. So are there things we can do throughout the day? that will improve uh, before we're getting ready for bed, just throughout the day to improve our sleep? Absolutely. So people often have this misbelief that sleep is only about what you do at night. But your circadian rhythm is that roughly 24-hour cycle that dictates when you feel awake and alert and sleepy throughout the day. And again, it runs on a 24-hour cycle, meaning what you do during the day will impact how you sleep at night. So good sleep starts the moment you open your eyes. So some things you can do to reinforce that is get natural light exposure within an hour of waking. At night, we want to avoid it, but in the morning, it's great to increase your alertness and energy, but it also increases serotonin production, which is good for mood, but it's also needed for melatonin production at night. So natural light exposure within an hour of waking is a great way to improve your sleep. Getting some physical activity in, ideally earlier in the day. Uh, exercise has been shown to promote deeper, better quality uh, rest and improve that slow wave sleep. So it's important to do that. Uh, and then some of the other things where it talks about managing your caffeine intake, uh, managing stress and anxiety throughout the day so you're not bringing a high load with you to bed. All of those things can help improve your nighttime sleep. So it's almost as important as what, getting ready for bed as what you do when you wake up. Is that Absolutely. is that kind of what you said? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good things to think about. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your book, Sleeping on the Job. What a title. Um, I, <laughs> that's uh, not to be taken literally, I presume. What are, we, <laughs> uh, what are we covering in Sleeping on the Job? How do we become better, better workers, better people at work um, when we get the right amount of sleep? Yes, 100%. So the reason I wrote this book is I, I work with a lot of companies and corporations to educate their workforce on improving sleep in order to improve their performance. And as I was going throughout that process, I'm like, man, where and how you work has a significant impact on how you sleep and vice versa. How you sleep has a significant impact on how you work. And so it's very hard to disconnect the two and say, oh, sleep is just about at nighttime when you're home. So much of what you do during the day and what takes up most of our days work uh, impacts how you sleep. So I really wanted to structure a book in a way that was going to be relatable to the average person who works an average job and how they can set their workday up for better sleep and conversely understand what they're getting out of their sleep as it pertains to work. 
So the first half of the book really digs into how sleep impacts your memory and your creativity and your performance and your interpersonal relationships and all the things you need to be successful in the workplace. And then the second half goes into how you can specifically set your workday up for better sleep. And it goes into different work uh, scenarios. So like remote work, uh, uh, night work, uh, rotating shifts work, all of those things that have subtle nuances as it pertains to sleep and really anyone can pick up this book and find ways to set themselves up for better sleep. So I assume the book is available just about anywhere, but I think everybody goes to Amazon anyway, probably. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes and um, you can go get it as well as some ways to contact um, you, Dr. Holiday Bell. Uh, if you could leave us with one tip, just something somebody could, maybe even subtle tip. Um, we're going to get the book and we're going to read it. But before we get the book in our hands, What's something we can do right now tonight to improve our general sleep? Okay, so this is going to go into mindset because I think mindset is huge and we talk about it so much, right? And people may not think of mindset when it comes to sleep, but I always like to leave these interviews and, and uh, podcasts with my favorite quotes by Nicola Jane Hobbs. Instead of asking myself, have I worked hard enough to deserve to sleep? I've started ask, or to deserve to rest. I've started asking myself, have I rested enough to do my best work? And I think if people really think about what that means and how prioritizing sleep can really change your life and impact you as a person in all the roles that you play, it will actually work wonders just by starting with that mindset shift of like, have I rested enough, poured into myself enough to then do all the other things that I want to do? Starting with, with that is a great way to start on your road to healthy sleep and then all of the other things we already talked about during this podcast. Tremendous. Well, thanks a bunch for stopping by. And it's a new year and it's uh, we're, we're going to resolve this. At least I'm going to resolve to sleep better this year. Love and I'm um, looking forward to it. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for spending your time with the Destiny is Debatable podcast. Please rate and write a review wherever you subscribe. It really does help us grow and reach new people. For more information, visit johnbgrimes.com. Destiny is Debatable is a Symblem production.